Hey, my ducks, and welcome to the uh, long-awaited return of the uh, Forever Forest podcast. I am uh, Ryan Freebury, otherwise known as Freebs, and many other names, depending who you ask. Um, it, we just had a little sabbatical for a while, you know, it's just Christmas coming up, we need to recharge the batteries and all that, and uh, we hope you haven't missed us too much. Did see a few uh, gifts and memes of people uh, pretending to cry, which was was nice. I hope you're okay now. Um, since then, uh, them tricky trees have been doing all right, haven't we? Still haven't lost a game. And recently, on Saturday, uh, the, the almighty Steve Cooper returned to Swansea to take his uh, his charges to go and do more than charge at them swans and absolutely annihilate them. Um, coming up in the show, we're going to talk a little bit about that for those who watched the game out of us here. Um, I mean, I'll, I'm not even going to pretend I was uh, in a lift shaft dressed as Santa. It didn't happen. Um, but I saw the score and I seen the goals and they were Bobby Dazzlers as that bronzed uh, mahogany man David Dickinson would say. And um, But we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to have a special guest with us, uh, the wonderfully pursuit uh, from the 90s indie boy as we knew him and loved him um mr paul mcgregor is going to join us to talk all things forest and probably a little bit of music knowing us who are on here and what we're into and then we're going to end with probably one of the crappiest quizzes you've ever seen um ever i mean basically the reason is we're charging up because we've got a wonderful christmas special coming for you next weekend uh which is all secret squirrel and all wonderful and for those who are guests no steve chettle is not joining us uh, he turned us down because we wouldn't buy him his favourite biscuits, but we do love him still. Actually, just for uh, legal reasons, that's not true. We haven't gotten in touch with Steve Chell. Um, anyway, moving on, joining me this week. <laughs> okay, Lisa's doing me a face now. Uh, joining me this week, uh, there's no other way to put it really, but uh, Paul McGregor's fangirl, it's Holly Royal. Hi, Holly, how are you? Evening, evening. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Well, you looking forward to uh, talking indie with uh, Paul on football? On absolutely looking forward to it. Can't wait. It's like you just dream podcast, isn't it? Just talking about the yeah. 90s in Forest. Absolutely perfect. And now it's going to be rubbish after I said that. No, it won't. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, that's Can't it. Oh, luckily, we can edit things, Holly. So if you just <laughs> boy, when Holly says something, this voice goes, oh, da, da, da. it's obviously me doing it. That's uh, that's obviously what that is. And then also joining me, um, well, not Dan this week. Uh, Dan's in, uh, uh, when Dan isn't here, I like to just think that he's an American doing business, doing American business. But I think he actually is. Uh, do not be disappointed. It's still the wonderful uh, Lisa Fox, who I haven't actually really done anything for. So I'll make one up and look around me what's in the room. She's a fan of curtains. She's a fan of Beethoven's music and lamps. It's Lisa Fox. Hi, Lisa. How are, how are you? Fan of lamps. Interesting. Well, there is a lamp and there's a bust of Beethoven in here. I mean, obviously. Not, not Frank Frank Lampard. Why not? Do you like Frank Lampard? He's all right. Physically or I mean, whichever way you want to talk about him, really. I mean, he was a very good footballer. He was a very intelligent footballer. I once heard he had a really high IQ and I always thought you could see that after somebody had said it, the, the way he passed and thought. But anyway, he was also a bit of a sheep shagger for a while. Uh, but otherwise, all good, Lisa. Well, looking forward to Christmas. All good. Looking forward to Christmas. Oh yeah. Yeah, I am. I am. Yeah, I, well, some people just just generally absolutely despise it. Holly, I asked you. Are you looking forward to Christmas? Absolutely. Time off work. Bring it yeah. on. Can't wait. Festive yeah. football. I love festive football. Yes, it depends who you get though, doesn't it? It's always a fixture you look at for that reason, really. Can you tell I haven't written a script this week, listeners? The fact that I'm just talking about Beethoven's face and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, Christmas football, yeah. So anyway, um, we will be, I so say, we're going to ask you a few more questions regarding your uh, your Christmas uh, thoughts and memories so that the, the people who listen, I hate to say fans, because it makes it sound like we're, we're, it's just not what we've got. Um, but yeah, first of all, let's talk about uh, Swansea away, a game that realistically, I think just jumps up on me and I saw it more for Steve Cooper than I did for actually, you know, looking at form table or anything like that. And when it was nearly at half time, I was like, oh, you know, take a draw because I've got to go with that Billy um, adage of just trying to keep it you know, tight away from home and get the points at home. Um, Holly, uh, what were you expecting pre-match before we went uh, off to uh, South Wales there? And uh, did it, uh, you know, exceed your expectations what we did? Because I'm guessing you wouldn't have gone for a 4-1-1 away win. 
No, I don't think any of us expected that, did we? Um, I think just like any away game, really, I would have taken a point. Um, after that first half, definitely would have taken a point. I thought, uh, well, I listened to the game. I didn't actually watch the game, but um, yeah, I thought we were really kind of, from what I could tell, lacklustre, just, you know, both teams sort of cancelling each other out. Um, so yeah, at that point, I definitely would have taken a point. Um, and then, wow, second half, complete turnaround. I mean, I was... Uh, I went for a walk to the game in Tooting Common and I was screaming at every goal and got a lot of South Londoners looking at me in a very strange way. Uh, but delighted that, um, you know, we could score four goals away from home. When was the last time I did that? I mean, wow. Well, under Cooper, I don't know. It might be one of those we forgot that was quite recently, but no, it has been a while and it's pretty rare, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's been a long time. And I used to live in Suiting, so I can I can uh, assure you that screaming around on that common is uh, is something normally I would save till two in the morning. So good on you there, Holly. Um, but I must actually add before I come to you, Lisa, I started watching some of the, a bit like Mr. Door, but like a Swansea version. It randomly had Mr. Door on. And they were asking all the Forest fans and Swansea fans before, and most of the Swansea fans were going for them losing 2-1 or getting a draw at best. And even the host went that they'd lose 3-1. Really? Um, so often these things are things you should probably look at a bit more, or we should, because, you know, we always just see it as a forest point of view, don't we? But Lisa, you're the only one who watched the game. Um, talk us, for those who, like me, were either stuck in a lift shaft or whatever, I'd like you to go through every sort of 10 minutes of the half and tell me how each 10 minutes played out. And maybe something to do with this. Oh, okay. Uh, what's that? Is that the that's the international hand signal? Fuck off. Okay, so um, I, no. What at least just tell us because on the I did ask you guys obviously on the group chat and you were saying first half was both teams were pretty dog egg, um, and then the second half was different. So my two questions: first half, why was it that way? And second half, was it all just in one clump? Did all that come, or did just Forest control it second half? It was a really um, yeah lackluster. I think Holly used the really good word there. First half, both teams were cagey and. It, it could have gone either way. There weren't that many chances in the first half, to be honest. It was a bit, like you said, dog egg, um, middle of the park. And then <sighs> referee didn't really help the game, but he wasn't too noticeable for a change, I guess. Um, and second half, we did come out. Those, those two goals in two minutes, I think, were a, a shock to everybody. Um, and then... It could have gone either way. It still, at that point, could have gone either way. Even when we were 3-1 up, it still could have been 6-4 or 7-3 or something ridiculous. Um, and I think the, the fourth goal actually secured the point in a... In a oh, Jesus, really? ...kind of way. Um, but it, it really... I mean, Swansea didn't play particularly badly. Um, I've seen some of their fans on social media saying how crap they were or how shit we were. And I'm like, mm, yeah, but we, we weren't, you know, this our second goal for me um, was fantastic, a fantastic team performance. The first one, Zinkenagel, took that really well. Uh, great finish. Um, can't take anything away from him for that one. Um, the, the little pass from Spence into to Brennan Johnson and that, that um, cross from Brennan for Lewis to do what Lewis does best. Fantastic. Um, third goal that was the the Brennan kind of hit him didn't really know that much about him but goalkeeper spilled it um, right place right time um, and yeah I was I was chuffed that no, I want to talk about the fourth goal and the wonderful work by Lyle the Taylor Lyle Taylor Lyle Taylor did that amazing actually, yes Lyle Taylor's hard work there you know he, he'd not been on the pitch that long him and Brennan um, worked really well down the the, the win to get together um, and I'm going to call 
Lyle Taylor something that you wouldn't expect me to call him. Wow. Um, Matt is tenacious because he did not give up. And he, you know, took on a few men, didn't fall over. Um, and it was it was great. And yes, Cafu's finish, hit on the volley, fabulous goal. Uh, sorry, Cafu, I was giving, doing you a bit of a disservice not talking about that one. Um, and I, I think it was, was really good. The only negative that I can bring on the table, and I think we we do need to discuss it, is the fact that we have a, a couple of players that are going to end up with a reputation of being Mardi twats and being on the floor far too much. And I don't like it. Who's that then, Lisa? Mr. Brennan. Right, so this is a good point to come to this, because I said, do you know what? I, I know that some of the guys who do this really would prefer that I did have some sort of level of... Uh, of it being mapped out before we do these podcasts and especially for the Christmas special we definitely did do that as you'll see when it comes to it um but there is a kind of a a looseness which I quite like about this because I was actually thinking when you're saying it about doing a section called ghost watch where we see what um we see what Brennan's been doing this week and I, I know there'll be big swathes of the fan sport it will just be like oh bloody old Freebs is one of our own uh, yeah, undoubtedly. That is important. Uh, but I also think they probably won't be listening to us because <laughs> they'll just dislike us anyway. So that's fine. By the oh. same token, I know I've just said I don't like the fact to see him on the floor all the time. I think he was man of the match on Saturday. Well, that's what I was going to get to because we, we've, we you know, it's it's very easy. I'm sure all teams do it, but we only really know Forrest, don't we? People get behind someone like Mighton and stuff and they just, you can't say a word about it unless it's Ben Osborne or Ryan Yates when obviously it's fair game for the idiots. But um. I, I've just been disappointed how much he's disappeared. And obviously, I think you put something about that the other day that he's actually, he was really in this game. So what was the difference? Because we've seen a lot of the running. We've seen a lot of the head down against the byline, probably hitting into the side netting or probably not finding a man. But I'm, I'm going to go with Lisa more on this, Holly, just because she saw it with her eyes, unlike you and I. Um, what was that difference that you saw in Brennan? That, what was the bit that he, if he did done that in other games, would have seen more of, do you think? He was, he, I think it was more about confidence. And, you know, he was able to run at a man and take him on, not fall over. For most of the game, there was just one incident that um, he'd kind of gone gone down 50-50 with, the, with the, another player and the ball kind of, I think that they ended up with the free kick, to be honest. Um, and he kicked out after the ball had gone, um, got up and was in the face of the other player. The other player kind of stepped in and Brennan went down clutching his face. And, the, you know, I think, to be honest, having watched it back again later... Um, it was handbags, but he needs to be careful because, you know, those other referees may well have booked him and and you, you could end up with a, a player that ends up off the pitch because um, of something really silly. And it's it's that little bit that you kind of don't want to see. Um, but he he wasn't scared to run at the players, you know, and him and him and um, Spence have got a very, very good relationship out on that on that wing and a really good understanding, which continued when they brought. Um, Lyle Taylor on and for me it was his best performance in a while and like I say he he was man of the match for me on Saturday um and I, I you know he, he, he did well okay so while you're at it let's do the other one which is again because it's unfortunately it's all coming on you because Dan isn't here and he might have seen it the next one is Yates watch so how was Yates doing on the weekend there just for those who hate him Lisa's holding up um 
I was going to make up it with something else completely. A coaster. It's a coaster with the H22 on. Um, <laughs> say some underwear. Just say to, F- you like to FC it. coasters for that, by the way. <laughs> you go, other coasters companies are available. Other coasters are available. I mean, I wouldn't know where the fuck um, they are, but yeah, they are. Um, so yeah, Ryan Yates, you know, we're a big fan on this podcast, but we also do say when we think he's, again, been dog egg. I don't know where that word's come from and I've used it twice. Um, but was he more at the back, was he, this game? Yeah, he played uh, out of position and... He he was he was unlucky for their goal. It hit him, and he wouldn't you know he couldn't really have done anything. He about it. ruined it. Um, I think. Yeah, but at the same, but you know, by the same token, um, he did what Ryan Yates does. He was there to break up the play and to stop them attacking. And every single time the ball was in the box, he was there, and his interceptions were on a par with what you get from Joe Worrell. Um, and you know, we don't talk about McKenna very often and that's the, obviously the sign of a very, very good defender when you're not really mentioning them because you don't notice them. Mm. Um, but the fact that Yates, he did play out of position on Saturday, um, can't fault him again. Can I just say, in case you are listening to this, Scott McKenna, I talk about you all the time and um, I love you, baby. I absolutely adore you, Scott McKenna, and I hope no one does talk about you because I want you to stay with us forever. Um, so, Holly, moving on a little bit from the game, because, oh, yeah, we saw a fist pump as well, which is obviously, I love it because it winds people up so much. Some of our own fans hate the fist pump, and uh, <laughs> I like it because it means every time it happens, we've won. And so, however uh, crass or silly you think it is, um, you know, it's a good thing. It's better than uh, Hewton disappearing into a grey old ghost in the corner. Um, right, Holly, so looking at the league now where we are, and Dan's put some stats for us together while he's on business and saying that we've actually moved now from, what is he calling it, a solid relegation group team to a middle table team. Um, and, you know, we, with the teams around us, eight to 18 of them, although a few bad results can leave you from one to the other, they're taking points off each other as well. Um, Forrest are, are eighth and... You know, it's pretty crazy how close we are to not only the playoffs, but like Lisa said on the radio earlier, it's not a million miles off automatic as well with a good run. Um, you know, I'm sure you've got some lovely uh, things you want for Christmas, but um, would you have ever dreamed a few weeks ago you'd have been talking about this? No, absolutely not. I mean, it's just a real positivity, isn't there, around the club as well. And um, it just kind of filtered down throughout the whole squad. And I think it's going to be a really interesting January window, isn't it? Because there's some players there that we desperately need to keep hold of. Um, and if we do lose them, we need to replace them adequately. Otherwise, you know, we could be tumbling back down again. Um, we need to maintain that level and Christ, keeping the lights. That's, that's sorry. And that's really got me down now. Tumbling down again. <laughs> no, I'll bring it back up. If we can keep hold of Worrell, oh. keep hold of Johnson, pray to the football gods that Spence doesn't go back um, I think they'll be as good as three new signings really and we can push on and yeah who knows I mean at the moment keep going keep this momentum going and, and let's see where we can end up I personally think that Autos is a little bit of an overestimation but definitely playoffs why not you know yeah, but you go, you go for it. You shoot at it, and you fall low, and you do that, don't you? That's why I think. I think if you settle for our, you know, tenth, it's a. Re- you just don't have a rebuilding this. We've been here twenty bloody years, if not more, with time in the in the third flight. Is it? I, I don't give a crap how far us get up if it's by hook, by crook, by off someone's ass. It's, I, you know, as um as we were discussing the other day with other. It's so hard to not talk about our Christmas special, um, because it's almost like we've done it, but we can't talk about it, um. It's it's those two stars and our shirt do make a difference when you get to that top fight. They, they do. You know, people will come to us more than they would your Brighton and Hove Albions, your Burnley, stuff like that, because that, that pedigree does stand for something for people, doesn't it? So, um, no, all, all in all, I, I think you shoot for it and you see how you're doing. And I think right now is that the thing I can't get my head around, I'm sure you two agree with me, is, is this is the same squad. 
and I, I am one of those who inst- instantly was a bit pissed off going, I know people think you're wrong to say that, but just going, oh, guys, why couldn't you? But the more I've heard about it, the more I've seen people like Ryan Yates talking about it, people like that saying, you know, I'd probably get a rollicking for going over the halfway line. You can sort of understand it. It's like when you get a new manager into at your job you're doing and whatever you are. So I, I do get that completely. At least, uh, I mean, we've seen, uh, well, I was going to say you've seen a lot of seasons or you've seen a few more than me, but then when we've done quizzes about it, you've forgotten most of them. Um, so <laughs> I've just been trying to run prostitutes over in ball all over it was. Uh, check the other podcasts if you want to know about Grand Theft, uh, Grand Theft Fox. It was it was quite the uh, quite the occasion and the revelation. Um I mean, we do it. It does seem like we do this at, at times. Most seasons, we get a bit silly, a bit carried away. Um, I always try and keep my feet on terra firma, but I genuinely believe this is different from board to boots. What about you? Yeah, I think we've gone from being so disjointed and so far removed from the football club um, in a very, very short space of time to being completely the opposite. And Steve Cooper has got to take a hell of a lot of credit for what he has achieved in such a very short space of time. Um, I think the only regret for me is that they didn't pull the the plug sooner um, and get him in earlier um, because who knows where we would be sitting now had we done it six games earlier or whatever. But we know by the same token that the season before kind of the same thing happened you know but and and then we we almost accepted it a bit more because we were in lockdown and we'd imploded against Stoke at the end of the season there um there wasn't too much of a pre-season whereas this year they haven't got those excuses um it's a you know your own players if you've had full pre-season you start again you regroup it's a clean slate and those players are were not were not performing um for whatever reason whether it was you know if if they are given tactics and I know that there have been times we've spoken about it before on the pod where I think we played Bradford in the cup and one of our young players scored and was given a rollicking because he was he'd gone too far forward um rather than um you know being applauded for the fact that he'd scored his first senior goal um, that was in the previous regime. We've got to look forward now. And I agree with Holly that I think the top six is achievable because of the togetherness that we've got. And we may have to sell one of Worrell or Johnson. We may not. You know, I'm, I firmly believe that actually, like you say, from board level downwards, um, they've, they're all on the same hymn sheet. And if, if that's the case, we are in for a, a hell of a journey. You can do it with faces if you want. Because I remember walking around a little car park in Burgess Hill talking to you pre-season. And we were talking about bits and bobs and things and, and a friend as you've been at and bits of information that you seem to uh, find out, but very, you know, very solidly never tell anyone. Um, you give me a give me a facial uh, expression of if you think we'll keep players this January? I hope so. Oh, I, oh we actually got yeah, work. I was not expecting that. I ser- okay. No, I seriously hope so. But I think it's, it's a bit of... It's a very difficult one because I think January people will come in with bids for players, um, but both of the players that are very much worth a lot of money, um, that didn't even make sense in my head. I know who you mean, yeah. Which, <laughs> that are worth a lot of money, um, are under quite long contracts as it stands. So yes, we might be tested, but we don't have to sell. And if I were the powers that be, I would be saying, no, come on, this group is special. We've we've shown over the last three months that we can build points and we've got confidence and we can do stuff. 
let's see where we are in May. And actually, you know, the unthinkable could happen. We could end up in the top six. We could end up with promotion. And then we don't need to sell because FFP doesn't matter. And that's that's kind of where I'm at with it, that I would be saying, no, not selling anybody. And yes, I would also be saying to, to, to Cooper, if you want to sign Spence on a contract of you know, three years or whatever, let's let's test the water, let's put a bit out there and see what we can do. Um, because he, for me, is just phenomenal. But I didn't say that out loud. He's rubbish. No, I mean, do you know what? I, I, there's, a, there's a thing, we were speaking about this on the radio and we've seen it on Twitter. I'll come to you with this, Holly. It's like the thing with these loan signings, and it's always the danger, as we know, and it's falling in love with them and it's them doing well, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously their parent club wants them to do well, to come back and be better, or whatever it might be, or get more money from, is that, I, I truly believe that this 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 ownership and you know the people in you know Dane and that and you know his staff below him and the manager will already have known what they're looking for. I, I you know I can imagine the January transfer first market is a pain in the ass because it's a bit like buying houses when you're in a chain or something, isn't it? Because everyone's you're just waiting for that one person to move here X Y Z. I, I don't believe that they believe they are the only players who can do that. Yes, they're doing really well. They're settled stuff like that. My, my only concern is that if they do go for say Spence. And they say, right, let's just chuck, you know, if Brereton goes and this extra money, oh, okay, oh no, this that's not how it works. It's not like Brereton goes, here's five million, whatever it is. But um, sorry, Brereton, DF. Um, is that you go for him and that because he knows his value with it is that he ends up on an inflated wage that puts a slight bit of harmony out. You know what I mean? At the minute, while Middlesbrough's playing his wedge or we're putting a percentage to it, I think it just, there's things like that I genuinely believe Forrest will take into account now more than they would have done in the past. In the past, they would spend 10 million on him and put him on 50 grand. I mean, what, I, I don't know how you think on that, really, with the loans, really, Holly, because while I, I said on the radio earlier on, I just see it game by game, and it sounds really cliched, and just go, well, look, if they go, they go. We get somebody else, that's what it is. I, I'm not going to lose sleep over it, even though they're great, because that's just how the football works. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there's nothing we can do about it, but surely there's an element of what the player wants as well. I mean, he's obviously happy here. He's already stated that he's enjoying his football here. Um He's playing exceptionally well and player harmony is very, very important. Is he going to go back to Borough and feel the same way? Does that really matter, though? I guess um, I think it would be a, a real shame if we lose him. But again, you know, if we if we get somebody else to replace him, you know, of e- equal stature and equal ability and can slot into the team, you know, because that's the other thing, isn't it? All these players, they've slotted in, they've learned how each other plays and, and understanding each other's games bringing somebody else into that fold and a winning formula could muck it up a little bit. Who knows? Um, so you kind of got to get that equilibrium back again. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's an unknown quantity, isn't it? It you is know, it's complete, yeah. completely out of our control. So we we, we, uh, we just have to wave him on if it happens and hope for the best. Can you imagine if this podcast was just only us talking about things we could control, going, Lisa, you're going to sing at the game on the weekend. Yeah. Holly, did you watch the game? No. Good night. Because the rest of it is opinions. It's quite funny. Lisa, I'm going to ask you one more um, that I just came up with and hopefully you like it. Um, so it's the 29th of January. It's just been past my birthday. That's nice. Um, now, Holly, did you say you're around my time as well? Are you, are you late January? I'm 24th. Oh, yeah, you're the day before me. Okay, there you go. Uh, anyone want to send any money to the podcast, 24th and 25th of January, you should cover the two of us. Um, Anyway, sorry, back to where I was, I was just thinking about money. Uh, Lisa, so it's the 29th, let's say 30th of January. I don't know what day that falls on. And there comes in a bid of £25 million. Pounds. I'm going to give you the player. And you've got to say if you take it or not for Ryan Yates. 
Yes, because if anyone offered 25 million for any of our players, I think it would be silly. Okay, no, okay, so that's fine. So we play this game of the day when somebody goes, like, would you eat a dog shit for, and they go, a million, and then you actually go, hold on, 10 grand's a lot of money, and they go, actually, yeah, and you can actually get them down to about 250 quid if you keep going. Um, All right, so um, 10 million, Ryan Yates. No. No. 15 million? No. Really? All right, so 25 doesn't sound that far off where we were now. 17 and a half? Oh, come on. No, bids like that, that's just... It's just, just turned down 15 million pounds for Ryan Yates. I know. In the, line of the start of this he's show. He's worth more. So he's worth 17 and a half? Well, no, but he's in my head. <laughs> okay, so we can't decide how much exactly he's worth. Okay, so there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That's uh, the, uh, about the end of the Forest chat for this weekend. We found out that uh, one of us out of the three watched the game and that Lisa values um, Ryan Yates between 17 and a half million pounds. <laughs> Something else. There you go. Wonderful. And uh, almost in the most perfect timing ever, we're about to join our, uh, our special guest for this week. So um, we will ask him how much he thinks Ryan Yates is worth and see if it uh, matches the uh, valuation of Lisa Fox here. Um, so there's different ways we do the, the different intros. And sometimes, you know, you put the name in Wikipedia and try and do their official ones. It's better than you can do. Or you start writing your own. And do you know what? As it sort of mattered more to me and the stickers on me, uh, I'm a textbook at school and uh, the life I led in 1994, 95, 96, around that time. I'm just going to say that in the 70s, it looked to me like every footballer was in the suite and in the 90s, it didn't look like anyone liked what I like, but there was Paul McGregor. How are you doing, mate? You're right. I'm all right. I look like Paul McGregor for the 90s, don't I, at the minute? Uh, you look like Paul McGregor in front of a curtain that I can't really see you. But how are you doing, mate? You're right. There you are. I was, you know, was going to do curtains, mate. I was going to do, I was going to go proper. <laughs> Where are you? Nice. How are you doing? Are you all right? I'm all right. Well, this is the result. This is the result of my hairdressers moving from Long Eaton around the corner. Right. This is the state of my malaise at the moment. I can't be bothered to go to Toton. You still got so, it. That's, you still got the stuff. That's the hard one, you know. For that, I'm sorry to not, both of them. They're both still there. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it's funny because we did a tweet earlier on about asking for questions, and it's just like every picture is is that an album cover or is that a sticker from Merlin? It, it's you know, <laughs> I'm not fanboying as hard as uh, Holly will in a minute, but anyway. <laughs> so let me introduce you for Paul. This is Holly and Lisa. Um, hello, Hi guys. How are you both? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. I'm um, a little scared at the moment because I've not had any COVID whatsoever. And I'm, I've got a little bit of a scratchy throat today and a bit of a cold. So just in time for Christmas. I had the same pull, but I was singing a Santa over the weekend. There's a bad Santa gig singing thing. And some girl went, can you do living on a prayer? And I just turned to DJ and went, it's fucking hard. Like, uh, to be, to be no. fair, I, I did have COVID. I had COVID oh. last year. Um, and I've just, I'm just getting over a cold at the moment. And I feel worse or have felt worse in the last week with my cold and than I did with COVID, so. Gosh, okay. My dad's just got up from Krakow and he sounds like he's been on Krakow. I said, Daddy, what's going on here? He went, oh, it's the smog. I was speaking to a bloke. He said, the smog's bad in Krakow. Oh, my God. <laughs> Surrounded by people just dying around me. But anyway, coming back to it. Uh, yeah, Paul, thanks for joining us, first of all. We normally, we normally do this as a bit of a mystery guest. We have That's you on my pleasure. But as one of the two here arranged, you come in to join us and the other one would have known exactly who you were. It wasn't much of a contest. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about Forrest. Well, you know, I don't want to instantly just go, hey, Paul, what do you think about the 90s? What do you think about this? But, you know, you are, to me at least, intrinsically sort of connected to those two things. And I hope you don't mind a bit of that. That's absolutely fine. Lovely. It'd be weird if we spoke about crochet and COVID for ages like we just did. Um, so first of all, I'm going to open to, uh, do you know what? I'm going to go with one first. It's kind of get this out of the way here. So I, I've 
about 95, 96, I picked up guitar and started playing and it was, you know, it's easy to get, for the, this is going to, to a certain generation, it sounds so archaic. You'd get your Oasis songbook, you'd learn the chords because <laughs> it was dead easy and you knew the songs and you'd learn to play the guitar. And then you learned about the Beatles and all this kind of stuff. And obviously it depended on your parents as well. Now, I, it, yeah. my days, it was probably similar to you, I'm probably just a few years younger than you, but it was kind of get a band together, do a tape, go out and do this. And then you get maybe a manager and then you do some gigs. Are you like me just going, if YouTube was about in 95? Because <laughs> I think about it all the time, but you you had a lot more success than I ever did with music. But do you ever wonder, because obviously more people can now do it, but at the same time, the exposure is a different thing now. It is, but I find I find it quite scary. As somebody that um, has a company that works in social media, but then despises social media, I have no social media presence whatsoever. I just don't understand why I would open myself up yeah. to constant abuse um, when I get enough of it at home. <laughs> um, I just don't know. I, I, I don't see any benefit in it personally, and I'm quite frankly sick to death of opinions. I've done bored stiff with people that aren't experts in anything shouting their opinions at me. So I couldn't care less about social media in that sense personally. Um, when it comes to exposure for the band, when when I'd broken into the first team and everybody realized that I also had a band that did music and it became a thing, um, it was still my school band. So it was, um, I'm quite glad that it did, I didn't blow up yeah. in my school band because, you know, we, we'd written four songs. We were, we, we were covering David Essex and Bebop Deluxe and uh, all kinds of mad stuff. We were just having fun, really, and straight out of school, good bunch of mates. Um, I was quite weird with that because I was a jock and one of the weird kids. Right. So I was good at all sports, apart from swimming, but I was also with all the long airs making music. Yeah. Um, so a bit of a strange entity. And I'm, I'm very glad social media wasn't around then because um, the lads won't mind me saying we would, way off the mark and um you know playing starting to play decent venues simply because i was a good footballer and that's no way no, sorry i was a footballer i do apologize um that's for you to decide real slip um, but um but yeah i uh i you know we were playing the garage of selling out the garage in london and then disco to rock city and i'm places we shouldn't have been playing at that level um we had a load of fun don't get me wrong but to kind of come away from that and then start developing in the background what was then going to getting into electronics and uh, and a lot of techno and all kinds of stuff mm. just just kind of I'll tell you what happened. The Libertines happened, and this is really controversial, but I despised them. I just thought, I, I hated, I like, hated all the heroin, chic nonsense, the ambling around. Yeah, yeah. After the back end of Oasis, where Oasis was like, roll your sleeves up, crack on. Yeah, yeah. It, I just, I didn't like it. Bearing in mind, this is from a guy whose favourite band is the Velvet Underground. It, really it wasn't the smack that did I, it. I the Strokes had done it as well. There was this moment where everyone, there was a turn, and I, yours is Liberty. For me, it was, I know they're a different beast, but... Yeah, I loved the Strokes' first album. Where, what's happened here, you know? Yeah, and it, it shifted, and, um, I, I, you know, I've since grown to appreciate them a, a, a lot more, but at the time, in terms of those being the zeitgeist, I was like, 
really? Yeah, is yeah. That, is that the best we've got? So I, I then switched to co- go. It was the techno for me then on these massive systems seemed to start filling. The indie music got weedier and whiter and thinner. Did it become gay dad? And that's it's not sending in things. That was a band. That was was a band. band. But it's just started getting whiter and thinner, and just uh, and I I didn't, I wasn't connecting with it. There was no kind of raw. I missed the raw power of like uh, a lot of the bands, not just Oasis. yeah. Yeah, and and to me, like being in those clubs just seemed to sound and feel how I imagined seeing the Stooges or yeah. Guns N' Roses in their prime, just real, just real visceral, like it grabs you like this, you know, That's and that's what it was. And then I just pulled that back and Ulterior became this mad little beast of playing underground venues in Shoreditch on, on skate ramps in front of 300 screaming kids. It was like hard as nails techno, but with Jesus and Mary Chain feedback. Yeah and just created wanted to create something genuinely um emotive and something that was th- thrilling just just thrilling to behold and that and we we went and did that i think but you've got that it's it, so in lots of ways people are, again of a certain era could go hold on mates so you're in a band you were playing top flight football that sounds like an all right life. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're 50 doing it as well. I mean, you're a young lad. So it's kind of like, I, I get what you mean. I, I went searching for things and ended up with like Cooper Temple Claws. And man, yeah, yeah, I love those I guys. I to Manson at school. Everyone thought I was yeah. going to start smoking bones in a graveyard. It's like, <laughs> they're a bit spooky, aren't they? They went, no, they're great. They're like prog. I think this is prog. I don't know anyway. But I was trying to think that those two worlds is like, I know from my, you know, I've written quite a lot of music and stuff like that myself. And I kind of just, People, have, I've might have done a silly song at a gig because I've been bored. I've gone, give me a style of music and a theme, and I'll just make up a song. And I think it's quite easy to do. And people, oh, you should do that. It should be, you know, I must imagine at Wembley, 80,000 people, give me a song. <laughs> and I've also gone, but I want to be David Bowie. I want to oh, be God. cool. I do, I do that every morning right. in the mirror. Yes. So, like for me, I'm going, you don't understand how is this thing of trying to be that underground and trying to be the whatever it is. With football, you kind of need to just go the other way. It's like you want to be, I mean, I know people can have a very good career at different levels. And I'm, you know, mm-hmm. Steve Claridge, I'm thinking of people who played at all these different levels, what they've done. But they're in, in a weird way, kind of two paradoxes in a way. Aren't they the two things that you were doing at that time? It's, or is you your head when, you know, with the forest stuff going, when it's top with forest? Was it kind of, was that when you still had a different view on how you wanted your music to be? Or were they both aligned then of like be massive in both? No, uh, growing through it, I think looking back now, it was different at different times and I had to ride it to some degree uh, without not having a clue. There was no precedent before it. So without having a clue of what to do or who to look at um, to kind of guide me in any sense, I just didn't have that. So when the first my, my little indie school band sort of fell away. The guitarist didn't, and rightly so, like, good on him, Andy Russell, good lad. He just said, listen, I don't want to be in a band like this. Like, this is just hype nonsense. Like, it's not interesting. So um, he kind of pulled away. And then that sort of went into the background, and that enabled me to kind of really concentrate on on football for a, for quite a long period. Um, did they did they sometimes get in the way of each other? It sounds like an obvious thing to some people. Did you find sometimes you were thinking of one when you should have been thinking of the other, et cetera? Or? No, I'd grown I'd grown up 
like this, you know, like on my on my wall at home, you know, it was it was the pistols and and guns and public enemy and the manix and oasis next to and i do apologize don't know if you know this but i am i'm a liverpool fan yeah Yeah. born in bootle so you can excuse me as long as Um, aldridge will be all right i think (laughs) yeah exactly so ian rush john barnes um kenny dalgleish just they were all in between they were everywhere and that that was my they were my walls and i'd be playing foot i'd be dreaming about football and dreaming about music and it was just it was the same thing for me it was a it was escapism it was somewhere to express myself as a young person that was bursting with um the will and the want to perform a lot of people liked those at that time, didn't they? It was, a, it was a mad time. Again, I'm going to sound, I'm now becoming that person who's going, for those who weren't around in the 90s, it was such a time of anything could happen and felt like, you know, I remember Sophie Ellis Bexter here and I've got in the audience and I've got this here. You know, my wall is sort of similar to you, really. We are with the same sort of vintage in a sense. And it was it was such a time of possible, especially with Forrest as well, with what they were doing in that middle time as well. I guess that it's just the differences and your story why i always find it quite interesting is that you did have kind of like it wasn't like a footballer who's seen every now and then with a guitar in like a pizza advert or something you were going out and doing that other side of it as well which i'm only going to briefly stop myself because i know holly's got some questions she's going to kill me if she doesn't ask you because she'll be like you didn't let me speak to paul mcgregor <laughs> i'm going to go back and start thinking of gay dad songs now so i'll, just, I'll hand over to holly really briefly did, sorry well, i don't even know what was your question what was your question i don't think i made one i think i just spoke about the 90s it's kind <laughs> of what i do yeah. <laughs> Do you remember Tiffany? Yeah, yeah go on, Holly. I lost my train of thought there. Hi, Paul. Lovely Hi, to meet you. How thank are you? you. I'm good. I'm good. I just want to say thank you to Deke as well for getting us in touch and yeah, all that nice kind of thing. So, the lovely fella, Deke. Yeah, top man, top man. Um, I know you've hated in the past being called the Britpop footballer, um, but as Ryan alluded to, it must have been a really exciting time, um, you know, in the mid 90s with. The music scene and, and obviously the football as well. Forrest doing really, really well. Um, I mean, can you just give us an idea of how it actually felt at that time? Was it was it all positive? Was there a lot of negatives? I mean, what was the kind of sort of feeling around that oh. time? Because for me, I was, well, how old was I? So in 96, I was 17. I was at college. It just Looking back now, it was just bliss, really. Everything just seemed to click. There was the new Labour thing and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. um, how, how did it feel to be part of that? It must have been quite quite special, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to pack in there. It was, I, th- I think, yes, to some degree, it's wrapped up in in youth and in rose-tinted glasses. I think most people's youth, I think anybody from, you know, speak to people who are six, seven years older than me that went through punk and went through uh, post-punk and stuff like that. Oh, they were the best times, you know, seeing the Sisters of Mercy play with suicide or whoever, whatever it is. They were the greatest times, but like our time was, especially with the, especially culturally with the the emergence of rave and the Stone Roses, it it was a blast of colour, wasn't it? It was just this explosion of possibility and colour and youth went from being on the fringes, it felt, to just going bang and, and we ran the world and... Um, yeah, it just being, I wasn't bang in the middle of it, but um, when, I, when I look back now, it was like, you know, 
such such uh, I, I guess i'm being quite cliched here you know it's, everything seemed possible like like you say but it was um what i'm trying to say well, two of us have agreed with you already without you saying it to be fair. So I don't I, I'm, I'm trying, trying to, to back you up with that. I, I definitely call it the time of when we were kings. And Holly was, you know, mm. I said, and, and I'm sure Lisa will have good moments of it as well. I don't think it, I understand why you think it's that, but I think it was just a really special time. Yeah. I, I, what I'm what I'm trying not to do is 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 be that guy that goes, oh, it was better. It was, all, it was better in our day. Yeah. yeah. I've um, it twice as well, Paul, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, we just need to own it, don't we? Yeah, I right. am the Britpop footballer. So the Forever Pop, <laughs> it's now called the Forever 90s podcast. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think it's uh, Noel Gallagher quotes, um, well, to quote Noel Gallagher, he talks about Nebworth being the last, you know, great big gathering where there were no mobile phones and there wasn't social media, just people, again, to be cliched, in the moment, mm. um, living like that. And that's how it felt. I think it was the, the last the sort of last decade where you could genuinely just be wild and just go and there weren't cameras everywhere doing all kind of, not anybody was up to anything nefarious, but you know, well, maybe, maybe not. Wow. Um, but you know, um, that that's how it felt. There was a sense of freedom. And again, that's all tied in with youth, but if we park that for a second, the, the fact that music not, I nearly said guitar music there, but it wasn't just guitar music. It was, there was so many great forms of music just sort of, not necessarily reaching a peak, but... Um, You're talking to Spice Girls, aren't you? I really am, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I thought, you know, hip-hop was really great around that time as, as well. Um, when you're listening to like Mezzanine and you're listening to... Yeah, I mean, exactly, it's, yeah. But, you know, you got a time there when I wouldn't have said I was a big dance boy, but then I'm going... Chemical Brothers are killing this, or like you know, whatever, yeah. apology because it was an aggressive kind of you know. So, um, I, I I'm so in so many ways and trying to still be the media boy of going. So how is that connected to the footballer Stuart Pierce? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I, do you know there'll be a lot of people who I know will be interested in talking about that time as well, mate. So I think we're happy staying there. But it's it was a time of it all being available, really, wasn't it? And and the connectivity as well. I think that comes down to a lot to the rave culture, but I think it was in the air as well with with the bands. Um, it was all intertwined. It was all uh, as one, and you would go to um, a rave and a gig. I mean, the Roses did all that, you know, when they were just setting up their own raves and coming on and playing at, at you know, one in the morning. And it was all about that night, and that's what it was. But the rest of the music was was house. Um, and this just that that merging and blending of of um, styles and cultures um was was just it was thrilling it was so exciting i, I do genuinely believe however much we fight it you, you can't do anything about that it's, it was a time of, of your life where you were so I, yeah. I was looking at that when i was looking at your stats of it says forest from 91 um so it was a good was that was that right you, you were at forest from 91 i think that's when i became a professional yeah um that's a good old slug of, you know, you did, it says according to that 91 to 99. So, you know, you are the, you're yeah, the period at Forest, you know? Yeah, I was there for obviously two years in the youth team. Um, and I was there from age 14 as well. Um, so Brian was, still Brian, was it when you? It really was, yeah. I was there in the youth team under, under Cluffy. Um, so, yeah, I was there for, a, I was there for a good old stint. Didn't get the amount of games 
I wanted really, but being on the um, the other Forest podcast, the uh, looking back on all that has been um, has been a world of fun, really. And we've had players on that have played like three hundred times for Forest, um, and Fordy always takes the Mickey. He's like, "Yeah, but everyone remembers. <laughs> you only needed to come on and score two goals, and that was it." Did it? <laughs> you did it in two goals. Um, so I'll take that. I'm happy with that. Concise, yeah. in and out, done. I was a ball boy when they played Blackburn, when Blackburn won the league at home and we lost 2-0, I think. And yeah. that's as near as I got. So t- I'll take your games all day, mate. And Lisa, <laughs> I'm going to come to you really quickly. Lisa's got a good one about... Are you going to go with the name one, Lisa? You look oh, a bit... God, I've got a couple that. of questions. Lisa's a cheap um, one here, Paul. Look out. Okay, yeah. She, <laughs> see it in her eyes. She's I've met Macca before. In. It's all good. It's all good. I, that, I thought it was previous. <laughs> um... The first question that I want to ask you um, is about your nickname. Oh, well, uh, I have several. The the one that's called Honey. Yeah. Okay. But I also well, know what your other ones are. Uh, unmentionable. <laughs> um, but, okay. This is this is a bit of a daft one, but somebody's written my Wikipedia page. Obviously, I would not do that. But somebody's gone in and written it, and has stuck that in. So everybody calls me that now. But the reason why, uh, when Ulterior started uh, making a few waves in London, I lived up here still. Now, the rest of the band lived in London. I had a period where I was backcombing my hair. I remember. Yes. So um, wherever I laid my head to sleep, wherever that might be, because I had no fixed abode, it had been under bushes, under vans, it had been in parks, it had been on settees, anywhere. My hair used to leave a yellow patch. Wow. So um, everyone would just, oh, honey's been there. And like, that was, that's, just, that's just what it was. And because it was so ridiculous, uh, it stuck and I hated it. And then my brother, I don't know how he did it, but he got me to agree to put our nicknames as who we were down on the uh, the sleeve notes of the first record wild and wildlife and to this day it's stuck there so it is what it is i've got people that still call it me now so when you so met lisa is... did you call him honey or is, is, uh, did no. you uh, still be honest <laughs> no I, I'm, I'm, I put yellow on your face but it's <laughs> <laughs> you can just imagine it can't you at black Hawking on a monday night someone just like walking up to him going all right honey and it's it wouldn't you wouldn't even think twice about it <laughs> <laughs> back in the day back in the day back in the day yeah I, the day. I think i only went to the black orchid like two or three times mm-hmm. i was more i was going to rock city when all the boys were doing that yeah, yeah, that was the, uh, the the good old Monday nights and the cookie it? club. Yeah, it was. Yeah, cookie club, definitely. Yeah, yeah. just just be careful, it because Last time Lisa went on one of these rants, it ended up with her talking about trying to run prostitutes over in Bullwall. So I, I don't know where. Uh, not quite. <laughs> well, we've sure. all been there. Was that a Monday night as well? Yeah, and I think um, I was... <laughs> that was when we played. That was when we played Tottenham in the FA Cup, and the game got abandoned because of the snow. Oh, um, I remember that. Uh, game, driving yeah. home through good old Heisen Green. Oh, and... Yeah. Got a little bit stuck on the on the way way home, um, and nearly ran a prostitute over. It was quite good fun. You tell the level of this podcast here, Paul. And, uh, you know, we, not once we mentioned tactics, and I don't think it's ever going to change. We just we we just been a bit reverent. The other question that I want to ask you, because we have talked a lot about the music, um, and it's really interesting to hear you because obviously 
Um, big Forest fans, we all are. We we all remember the um, the goal against Leon being. He oh, scored against Leon. Apparently so, you know. <laughs> Let's try and break the mold, Paul. Um, you know, not heard. <laughs> maybe the highlight of your career, maybe not. Um, but looking back now, if you assess the the, the two. Would you pick music or would you pick football to be a huge success in? To be a huge success? Mm. Music all day. All day long. It satisfies me uh, infinitely more than football ever did. Mm. Um, Again, being on the podcast, I'm not the sort of person to look look back. I, I wasn't until about, until the podcast started um the red dogs thing and then it was it's all retrospective and i thought who's gonna who's gonna care that i'm on this thing like i played for forest for 10 minutes and then you just get this loads of people like just being lovely and then you you talk you're talking about people's careers and you understand how interwoven into i mean the amount of people that i've had that covered a span of like 20 odd years it's like a really big period i played with him and i played with him and i played with him and it's 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 quite insane really so, and it's quite strange with with COVID as well. Um, sort of really retreated musically, listening and playing as well. It, really back into my roots. Really, I, I, I'd sort of cocooned a little bit. Um, don't know whether it's through fear or going back to something that just. I, I don't. I don't know what it was. I heard James Dean Bradfield talk about the new Manics album. Said something similar. Um, but I went back into like Big Star and the Beatles and the Beach Boys and the Velvet Underground, just uh, and like Oasis and uh, the Lars, and I just went really deep into kind of lovely melody and songwriting. Um, and I don't know why I don't know why I did that. I, re- I, I, I was, I was going to say I, I I've still been always ten years behind that first album, and now I'm in my head I'm on my tenth album because I've written so many songs, but always been don't want to press that button because it's the one chance to make the first impression, all that crap. Yeah, and ended up writing songs about Fabas telling him to sod off, and uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, but it's I, I found with it that it was I weirdly went to you know I thought I'm going to get the album done, I'm going to actually catalogue of errors, that's the title, it's going to you know be like a, a more rocky Adele just about breakups um but melody you know stuff like that is it was my kind of thing that i wanted to do and i then started doing a to z of music where i'd say to people on instagram right beginning with a tell me a band i'll cover it i just wanted to make music i just wanted to create mm. something that was almost like a little project you didn't know how long it was going to be and that almost something full of joy as well like yeah, that's I, where I, i've been I just something every, happy and joyful, joyful and unapologetically up um and unapologetically just an undeniably great song done no style no nothing just do something lovely and that's that's where i mean it's so uncool and so just i never thought i'd be back there doing something like that and i hope it's not my age um i hope you know um i I genuinely think it's a it's something that i wanted to do from from the heart of that in that period um i mean i've yeah, I mean, I've got a, I've got a studio here with a, with a, with a few lads, and all throughout COVID, I, I wrote like thirty-five tracks um, that we've just been playing, and it's, you know, it sounds like, I guess it's, they all sound like, not all of them, but like to wrap it all up, it sounds like, um, I guess, hunky dory era Bowie singing over 
the MC5 playing Northern Soul classics. Right, hold on. I'm putting this together here. <laughs> go on, put that together. Right. Sew that up. Yeah. Right, there we go, sir. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a new part of the yeah. podcast where Paul joins us and we write songs. Um, <laughs> it was a theme. All right, off we go. Yeah. I do you know what? I'm in. I'm in. Holly's got a cracking question about the Manics. I, I really, and when she told me, I was like, I want to change that slightly, Holly. And then when I thought we're going to start a new debate here, ask yours, Holly, and see if Paul won't agree with me. I know exactly where he'll go, but go on. Okay, uh, quite a punchy one then. So, Generation mm. Terrorists or the Holy Bible? Holy Bible. Excellent. I think against the Soul. <laughs> I was like, edgy. All fantastic. All fantastic. I just think, I just think the Holy Bible, just because of everything that happened with Richie, not, not just that, um, but obviously it's going to always be tied together with that. It just trans. There are certain albums that just transcend art and become their own thing. And it, when you put that on, you can't, ju- you, I can, I've never once put that album on and it's washed over me. Not once that album punches me in the gut every single time. It's, it's like Guernica to me. It's like, it's, it's, um, it's just this insanely naked expression of a troubled human being laid out. I mean, it rocks like a mother, but you know, <laughs> especially the US version, but, it's it, um, but it's just, it, it's beyond all the other albums are good albums. This was high art for, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think it sounds a bit of a music thing to say, but every time I listen to that album, I just find something else in it. something yeah. different. It's just, yeah, it just blows my mind. I think it's definitely, I would say it's probably my favourite album of all time. I so want to comment, but also want to be a presenter that's going, Lisa, <laughs> let's talk about the Spice Girls again now. And I kind of just <laughs> want to go like, I just want to go, scratch my leg with a rustic. No, I can't. I, just, I, you know, I know what you mean. Is it, is it, for a dark album like that, just really quickly for any man expense, I find it, you shouldn't be as listenable as it is in lots of ways. But I, also, I, I would agree with that entirely. Like that subject matter. And you're tapping your toe along to yeah. that subject matter is the is the, is the yeah. utter genius of it. And those creepy voices before the bits that always got me go, yeah, hey, purity. I hate it. I'm like, oh my God, I don't like digging it. But anyway, uh, we, we, before we turn this into a Manics one as well, Lisa, <laughs> I was like, Holly, I don't know who I'm going to. Holly, well, I can't be your main question. You've got a football-based one as well. Yeah, I do. Um, so you're, you were involved in what has now proven to be um, our last European campaign. In the Euro UEFA uh, Cup in 96, 95, 96. Um, I just wanted to know what were the expectations going into that competition? Um, what was the sort of feeling in the camp? Because um, obviously you were riding the crest of a very positive wave at the time with Forrest. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember that dressing room being confident. But I remember that dressing room knowing, not knowing its place, that's the wrong thing, because we didn't know our place. We we particularly the senior lads understood that we had a chance as much as anybody else, but there were, ban- there were bands. There were, <laughs> there's an insight to my brain, but, but there, uh, there were teams like Bayern in there and, you know, Orcs there really should have beaten us, you know, away at their place was in- unbelievable. It was one of the most ridiculous, if not the most ridiculous games of football I've ever seen in my life where Forest were, uh, on the edge of their own box for 89 minutes. And then Steve Stone ran up the other end and scored and then ran back and then sat there mm. for another eight to nine, eight to nine minutes. But um, I th- uh, the belief was was insane, but the, the camaraderie between everybody 
it was, I just re- never remember a crossword. I never, it was all, everyone had smiles on their faces. We were riding, we were Premier League, we were a Premier League side. We were going into every game knowing we could win, you know, not necessarily winning every game, but winning most, knowing we could win. There's a, we had goals in that side. We had icons in that side, Stuart Pearce, for example, um, you know, we had, so hence we had presence, uh, which is important. Um, you, you know, you can win that in a tunnel, you know, with, with people like Percy, mm-hmm. um, and great, great footballers. I mean, Forrest, I mean, he didn't get the, I go on about him loads just cause he's my mate, but like, oh, to have a Scott Gemmell back at Nottingham Forest, you know, somebody that brave on the football and he didn't get the credit he deserved, but the lads knew. You know, the, the players know how good Scotty was and um, just talent, real solid talent all over that pitch, knowing that they could go up one-on-one on, against most people. I mean, you're going to get the Ryan Giggs now and again, turns up and plays a game that's unplayable and that can happen. But as a squad, as a side, there was belief. There was genuine belief. And it was just, you know, a bit like, here we go again, next round. Whoa, here we go, whoa, next round. And it was it was just great. I remember being at East Midlands Airport, and I think there's footage of this somewhere, um, where we got to East Midlands Airport and we were the last team in Europe. Oh, yes. And we it was were. just rammed full of press. And I can remember going, whoa, like, we've arrived. You, like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It was <laughs> proper. And funnily enough, that season, is, no, it was the season before, actually, when, we went to Singapore on a pre-season and, and Australia. I remember being in um, a few times, like the Beatles comparisons, like getting chased through a shopping mall because because everyone recognised Stan Collymore and yeah. we're in Singapore and like literally running through like it's hard day's night. That's amazing. Running away, locking yourself in. Yeah, the other side. Was that Unity more? Because you mentioned Psycho and obviously you know you got Frank there as well. I don't know. I, I always see football even then being simpler than it was these days in the way, probably the way we looked at it. But was that a lot to do with the management and his staff or was it, because I read in Pierce's book, I think it's the bit where he says that in Europe where he's gone, we're better than these, we're British. And he says, and Brian Roy's behind him or something like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was, oh yeah, sorry, mate. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, but was it a Pierce thing or was it, was it like a leaders in it or was, where did you think that came from? Was it just the characters in general? There were leaders everywhere. I mean, look at Coops. Oh yeah. yeah. Colin Cooper, Stuart Pierce, Steve Chettle. I mean, Chets isn't quiet. You know, Chet is a, a presence. Desi, Desi was always, Desi was loud. Um, I mean, you run through that side, at, like there were, there were no wallflowers. Like everybody, everyone stood their ground. Um, big it's norms, you know, everybody. Angle. You mean yeah. like, solid, they were, you know. Say again? No, I say the more like, because you can have people who are presence, but they can be a bit, this one's this. and oh, There you, were no bullies. Solid, yeah. There were no bullies. There were no, there's there nobody like that. There was, it was that, there was a there was a real unity and the you know uh, again to take that back to music and 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 the 90s and the attitude like that came with the stereo you know the the, the stereo would be it was funny because we had we had a mad little divide because frank clark brought in a load of young players a lot of those young players happened to be black so this side of the dressing room was young and had me and scott gemmel in the middle of it and was predominantly black and that side was the older side of the dressing room and predominantly white and right. Pierce, Chettle, Coop, Norm, all down that side. So we had this brilliant divide that had this banter going backwards and forwards, particularly around the music as well. 
So, you know, Kevin Campbell would be putting on whatever he wanted to put on, Biggie Smalls or Tupac or whatever. Tipsy's dropping. Yeah. (laughs) And that would be right next to, like, Piercy putting on um, a damned track, uh, me trying to force an Oasis track in there, and Scotty putting the verve on. and So there was this, like, it was all quantified in this sort of tape, really. Um, It was pre-match tape that we'd play and blast out. And yeah, that it it just uh, it worked. The room just worked. It was it was it was fun, and it was new, and it was vibrant, and it was excited and exciting. There was enough youth and excite exciting youth coming through it, and proper serious heads. And the England skipper sat there, you know. Um, yeah, you got you got the won't you? Yeah, I mean, and you can go through every single one of them and talk about the qualities of them. Um, and it was just a, uh, it was a fantastic dressing room to be in. It was, a, it was a genuine privilege the day I got asked to come up to that dressing room from the res- reserve team room. And you come in for pre-seasons, like you, you pegs up in the other room, mate. <sighs> okay. Okay. I've got to walk into that dressing room now and hold my own, you know? And that's the, the times like that. That's when you become a man, my son. Well, remind me, was that because uh, I know there was a switch when it became the squad numbers? So, were you, were you when you were in that was squad number? You had a squad number then, wasn't it? Because I remember 20, s- yeah. Okay, so I don't know the start of the Premier League, I let him that they didn't straight away or something. I, I don't know, I've been misremembering that, but that must be a special moment when they go, Here's your number, and it's like, you know, it's like in the you could kit shop, you can go and get you, you can get you on the back, or do you oh, see you on the back crazy. of someone's shirt? It must be like, especially after that Leon game, probably. Yeah, it's insane. I remember I've got a um a really old school friend of mine, a girl called Sally, uh, who went traveling and on one New Year's Eve sent me a picture. She was on a beach party in a really remote part of New Zealand and sent me a picture of a forest shirt with McGregor on the back. And I was just like, oh, God, wow. I mean, at the t- at now I look back and go, wow, like this, that's, that's insane. Back then I was like, oh, yeah, of course, you know. <laughs> yeah. of, course, of course he'd have McGregor. Who else would you have? Did have my band on the front? Do you know? I always wish that Lothar Mateus knew what I'm about to tell you. In 1990, I was on holiday in France. I was nine. First World Cup I ever really remember. Great World Cup. Obviously, Italian 90s was massive. Yeah. And there was a load of, we became friends with an Irish family. So, and there was a German family near us. And the kid of the family had that German shirt with a zigzag on a T-shirt. So it was, I mean, it must be worth 700 quid now in the crazy world of football. <laughs> but on the back, in marker, it said Mateus 10. Someone had drawn it on the back. And I thought, I, Beautiful. I, I know Lothar Mateus probably, this, I know we saw him play at Forest, obviously with Bayern in that wonderful evening. Um, yeah. over there. Um, but it's just like, you know, the things you don't know go on behind your back. I wonder if there's somewhere a Paul McGregor 20 in night Singapore or Indonesia still somewhere. <laughs> I, doubt, I doubt that very much. I think you took um, a question regarding the, the you can ask about the music we in the dressing room release or is that one now defunct have you got another one yeah that one's now defunct um, oh I do apologise well, yeah. no it's fine because you answered the question without me actually asking it so we're kind of there on the, uh, the mental <laughs> we're vibing, side we're vibing we're uh, vibing um, going back to talking about that the, the game against Leon, um, people presume that that was the highlight of your career was it I had a career. That's the high. I mean, uh, the fact that, again, looking back, you catch him in a weird state of mind in the, over the past couple of years, obviously, but I've never been so retrospective. So the fact that I had a career, particularly 
again, with doing the podcast, the outpouring of like what it means to people that you've played for Nottingham Forest and you've scored, that gave me the best night of my life. And like, you just go, I've just got a shiver then. It's like, mm-hmm. I never think about it ever. And like, that's just such a wonderful thing to have done. So the highlight of my career, I mean, being a Liverpool fan, scoring against Man United three days after the Leon game on my home debut was something. That week, I guess, was a was an insane highlight. That's given me goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, well, just thinking about that. But I think <clears throat> from our point of view, you know, it, we talk about Nottingham Forest and the history that Forest have got. And we all are of a similar age, so we weren't really around for the 79-80 or we don't really remember the 79-80 so our legends if you like our miracle men are your you guys and you talk about Chettle and Pierce and and Des um and and Norm and you know that every single player as you have spoken about are so grounded and they are so normal and down to earth and every single one of them feels that they were honoured to actually be a part of the club um, which is massive. And as a fan, that's kind of all you want to hear, isn't it? And you get that now. Uh, again, uh, with the Red Dogs podcast, That I, I don't know if any, any of you have, have listened to any of them, but mm. the, the esteem each of these players hold that club and their time at that club and, the, and how much they talk about it was a how much of a privilege it was to be in, just involved in that club. I mean... Um, it's, it's just incredible. It, it, like, it's a special, I know everyone says their club's special, but it, it really is a special club and it was a special club, particularly around that time. Um, you know, only club in Europe, Forest in the Premier League. We were, we were a rock and roll side as well. You know, Piercy and myself, you know, it was exciting. It was, it was, it was just, we had cult status. We were, everyone's second favourite team. I know that everyone says that about Forrest, like they're hard to dislike unless you're a Derby fan, obviously. But like... I mean, we, the second coming of Billy was pretty difficult for a lot of the... But otherwise, yeah, I'm with you. Most people don't mind us, do they? Yeah, of course. And, um, and it felt like that. You know, you've, you, you felt you were part of something, something exciting, something big. And again, to go back to your highlight of your career, I mean, I, listen, I, I went to Plymouth and achieved something that, I really wanted to achieve at Forest, um, but but never really did. I, I got a run of games and was top goal scorer, player of the year, all that kind of stuff, and knew I was first name on the team sheet for a period in my career. And that feels like nothing else. You can't, when you've got fans singing your name week in, week out, and you walk out on that pitch 10 feet tall, knowing that your job is goals and goals are coming no matter what it's happening. And you, you walk on there 10 feet tall. And when, you know, when that is, that is something else. And uh, I, I love Plymouth to this day for giving me that. Um, but, but yeah. Um, yeah. There you go. No, I was going to, I was, before I bring Holly in, I was just going to nip, I've got a couple here that people have thrown in, one of them is to do with the UEFA Cup, so I've kind of bypassed that, but thank you for uh, whoever put that on the tweet there. I, I'd, I'd like it when we read the tweet questions out, because especially some of the handles people have got. So this is a good one for you. Uh, this is coming from uh, David Jones, otherwise known as at David Joe two five one nine seven six seven seven. 
<laughs> I just hope you never have to say that in an emergency. Day. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm saying, right? Uh, which rock star would you most liken to Steve Cooper? There you go. I don't know who I'd go with. Gosh. That. Be a little bit. Uh, let's go. To, I don't know. Maybe the style or whatever it is. I don't know. I, that that's a that's a tough question, Dave. Two thousand. Yeah, I'd, I'd need an hour for that one. Right. So we've we've got two seconds. Uh, overall, with Forest in a minute. I guess you've been keeping your eye on them out. It's been. I mean, we talk about this. I mean, maybe two months ago, three months ago, we were going. I don't know how they stop this. I don't know how they stop what the hell is going on with how bad this club is right now. Yeah. I just and now you're thinking that you now you're thinking exactly the same thing, but the other way. Now we're going. looking like they can go and get results. We're up now. I mean, you you've been on the inside of that with the dressing room where as fans, you do naturally have that moment where you go, Why weren't you doing it before? Why weren't you doing it before? Uh, why aren't these players were they not trying you know you, I don't know why you're doing that voice but <laughs> I can't without a transfer window I've never seen a turnaround like this at Forest in terms of spirit and actually how it's gone well yeah I mean to pull it back very briefly to Plymouth one of the things that uh, all the, the older lads at Plymouth used to say was get in the habit get in the habit and I was number one I didn't understand it for the first six months and then I thought get in the habit right and it was just about getting in that habit of winning and it becomes, it, it's a cliche, but it does become a habit. And, and once it's magic, once you start, you get past those two, three difficult games with a couple of wins, and then you'd be so surprised what a win or two or three on the bounce do to a side and to that collective spirit and magic that's between the connectivity between those players. Um, it can just flip. And it can flip under the same manager. It just can. Um, but... You know, I, I, I have to admit, I just thought, oh, an, a, another Forest manager, you know, he'll yeah. just come in and do what what other... Because why didn't Chris Hoden su succeed? I mean, what an insanely good appointment that was on paper. I was I was chuffed to bits. And yeah, then, yeah, I think I, everyone was. I guess he got COVID where he didn't get the fans, but in some ways you kind of went, well, I'm kind of glad he didn't as well. And not every manager, as you know, has got to be Mr. Showbiz going, come on, guys, love me and all this kind of stuff. Because yeah. we've seen managers like Joe Kinnear come and say, I don't give a shit about your, your old days. And yeah. you know, people go, Cooper just seems to have that nice thing where I saw him looking up at the Brian Clough stand and almost feels you get that he fully respects the job he's got. The size of us, we're not Liverpool, Man United sizes. Sorry, listeners, that's true. Yeah, We're a provincial Midlands club who's overstretched in the 70s and has had good success since then, in a sense, you know? Mm. And I think that he, he gets that remit and how it is listen it's a big balance like i you know i i know john johnny owen really well and we, when we go for drinks like with 40 and stuff we chat about this sort of stuff all the time and one of the one of the topics to pull the curtain back a little bit that we, that we do often debate and agree on and disagree on and several things is is the weight of the badge you know it comes it's quite a heavy badge to drag around a pitch sometimes and it can be um you know, with the Miracle Men and with Clough, the history is such a strong history. Um, and to where they are now, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. But what we agree on is that you can't eliminate the past, but you can't live off it. You have to strike that balance. And um, I don't know whether it's been a conscious thing or whether it's been luck or... Maybe I do him a disservice there. I just, I, I genuinely don't know. I don't know enough about it to comment on what that possibly might be. Um, but, you know, some people just come in and fit like players, you know, hasn't done it there, hasn't done it there, scores 45 goals there. 
Yeah. You know, it's sometimes those unspeakable things that make being a human being brilliant just happen. We tend to get the one where doesn't do it for us, comes back and <laughs> against for us. I mean, I, I, we, we were just saying the other day, we we're doing our Christmas special pre-head with, um, we can't say his secrets, um, but that we were talking about how it's, the, 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 the two stars are more in, in a weird way. If you're in League One, we became double European Cup winning Nottingham Forest against Yeovil. In the Championship, it doesn't really get mentioned, but in the Premier League, it actually kind of almost helps you. You'll get those players from Benfica and stuff, and you know you must know when you've travelled and you've seen yeah. it yourself, been away with the team. But people go, oh, Forrest, yeah, oh, uh, Robin Hood, Brian Clough, European yeah. Cup. People yeah. know, you know, they, they just know. Yeah. And, and in our league, we're kind of in the one place where, and that Championship is a bugger. I don't care what oh. you say, that league is just, you've got the parachute payments, you know, there's so much to it. But yeah. it's a horrible league. And, you know, it's been, I was 18 when we were last in the Premier League and I am clearly not now 18. So it's it's a long time. There's generations, aren't there? We just go forest, aren't they? Championship team, we're in the League One. It Yeah, it's crazy. No like, divine right. So many kids have grown up now that that don't know forest. I mean, we our generation, we take that for granted. They were one of the top teams, have been one of the top teams as we were growing up, you know, in the UK for a long time. Beating Man United, beating Liverpool, beating Tottenham, beating Arsenal, competing with everyone, you know. Beating Leon. Beating Leon. Mate, I, uh, you don't know this. I know you said about Tingle as well. And I think I, I once sent Stan a picture on uh, Twitter about it because it was about football kids. And I showed him my 94, 95 Forest shirt. And my dad, I think, I put the number on the back, Collymore, from like a from like a JD Sports some other sports brands. Why am I saying that? It's not the BBC. And, um, <laughs> and he's done the name quite low. So Collymore's almost across my arse and the 10's quite low because I was a striker and I used to put like white socks over my red socks and wanted new balance. Was, you know, of sorry, Paul, I did it for stuff. Sorry. Um, and then when he left, there's just this shadow of Collymore above the number and I was like, ripped it off. <laughs> like, and then I sent it and Stan went, you, should, you know, you should have kept it. I was like, no, you left to Liverpool for God's sake. <laughs> he, he liked that he didn't know that story. And it's a similar one. When the UEFA Cup run, I grew up in Skegness where people tend to follow where the family's from. So my dad's from Stenton and it's like Nottingham's me thing. Uh, but a lot of lads support Man United and Liverpool. And there's a lot of yeah. glory boys for Skegness Town. So when we were the only side left in Europe, my God, I enjoyed those few weeks, whatever yeah, it was. I it bet. made this lad so proud of my little club compared to them. Do you know what I mean? So I've, I've heard that story often, to be fair. Oh, yeah, there you go. Well, there you go. Boring old story. No, 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 not, not from you, but like, no, no, it's, I, it's, to, I think it's a common story. I mean, that, but it's yeah. a glorious thing to have that moment of going, do you know what I mean? Especially if you grew up in a place where I'm sure Colling was like that, wasn't it? Holly, was there a what did you have? I knew sorry, I knew you had one more question. I was trying to be a professional and swing you in on the back of the conversation. <laughs> Let's talk up. about Collingham for the next half an hour. Um sorry, what was the question? Uh, Colling, uh, nothing. What was your you another question for Paul before we wrap up? Um yeah, I was just just gonna say, going back to that theme of someone having your um name on their shirt. It would be it would be really strange if there was some loser that actually made a sticker um, of you. Um, Have you seen that you know, before? Strange. Let me see that. Um, no, because you, you're, you're probably going to have to have some bloody image rights thing now, Ollie. What the hell are you doing? Who made that? Holly made that. Oh, I've wow. got this stupid love of forest stickers, and uh, which I just. No, it's a childish little thing I have, and uh, yeah, I think that's, that's wonderful. Thank you very much. <laughs> Oh, I'm all embarrassed now. So um, saying, you get one of those pulsing stick it on your guitar case, <laughs> Leon Thimmer. Can you sign it? Can you imagine Sorry. that? So for those who don't know, Holly just held up a lovely sticker of Paul uh, back in oh, 95, something like that one. A nice yeah, yeah, yeah. And it says Leon Thimmer underneath in a very nice styling. So uh, yeah, many other stickers. And it's got that cross between, remember how cool the um, the foil stickers were in Panini? Mm. So it's kind of a cross between a player and a foil sticker, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I like that. 
We will find some way of getting one to you, Paul, so you can just go. That would be wonderful. I think it's got enough of that kind of niche kind of thing about it in the time as well. So, uh, listen, we we don't want to keep you forever as well, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap up because we normally do about an hour. But before we do go, first of all, thank you so much. And I say, if you ever one time just want to make up some random podcast, whether it's just music and football of the nineties, I'm sure there's none of them around. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who's it? I've come every comedian who said it once. He went, "That Peter K. He's funny, isn't he? I like how he remembers things." Yeah, really remember, but I actually don't mind him. It's it probably Stuart Lee. Yeah, um, <laughs> Rufus Hound. I don't know why I remembered it was him. Oh. Um, but yeah, if anybody ever wants to make a podcast with us where we talk about the Cooper Temple calls, gay dad, you know, menswear and all the other kind of wonderful things. <laughs> around menswear, brilliant. That, do you know you mentioned about I do that? have a story about the Cooper Temple calls. Oh, come on, Holly. Let's have it. I, go on. It's not really that interesting. I used to work in, well, several Virgin megastores and one of them was in Reading and the Cooper Temple calls played in store. And uh, they were doing a signing and they got bored um, of actually signing. And uh, we just started signing the CDs for them. <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> Who were yeah, you? Sorry? Who were you? Who were you, sign- who were you signing on behalf of? Uh, I can't remember the name. There was like Dids. Was, was the Dids? Dids rings a bell. Yeah. One of, one of the guys that well, we worked with as well, he was actually from Nottingham. Um, he knew, I think it was Dids actually, that he knew. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, I can't even remember now. It was just random. Random okay, so for next week can you all send in your stories of because uh, the only one I can add is when I was at uni at Sheffield and Bernard Butler was going to sign an album and we were in the queue to have it signed uh, the only thing that was in the middle of the Melody Maker was a picture of Brett Anderson and I took it to him and said can you sign this and he looked at it and went fuck off and, and I was nice. the first person in the queue and kind of ruined it for everybody else well so, I took um, I took a all mod cons to a sticky little fingers gig and got Bruce Foxton to sign the jams all mod cons he was not happy at all yes and also did you understand did you know that the beatles all knew how to sign each other's autographs did they so quite often many beatles albums that were signed by them all were signed by one of them who signed everybody's name that seems like a hard day's night sketch can i ask really quickly i'm only on i've been savoring it like a fine wine i'm only on you know what i'm gonna ask don't you what have you thought of get back I don't have um disney so i've not watched it yet i'm desperate to watch it i my one of my uh, mates has said he's watched it twice and the more he watches it he feels like he misses them because it's like them there is mates it's because yeah. you're in you're in just you're like in a room with them it's, he's like I, I just miss them when i'm not watching it yeah because I, I again weird things from the 90s kids but when i started getting into music i was born a month after lennon died and when I used to be okay. kind of writing melodies, I told myself I was a reincarnation. No, 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 no. I said that out loud. <laughs> and so I was at this affinity. I know, what a prick. And so I had this affinity with it. So when I was watching it, and I was going, John's really quiet in this. I was going, is this when he's on heroin? And is this, there's all these incredible things you look at it. It is, it is fascinating. And it, yeah. it, a lot of myths that you think. And, you know, you'll love it, as, as say, from the writer point of view as well. So I cannot many. wait. Yeah, I cannot wait. Holly. Um, my mate Gareth actually has come up with a really good drinking game when you're watching it. Uh, whenever they light a cigarette or eat a piece of toast when you take a drink. Oh, so. well, I would nice. be already from what I've watched. And I've only watched half of the first one. Um, <laughs> before we go, uh, Lisa, anything to add before we go? Oh, no, sorry, Paul. I'm meant to ask you the final question regarding what you've seen of them so far and what you do. You know, uh, eighth position nearly at the playoffs. Uh, how far it's going to do this year from what you've seen? Oh, God, come on. I know, it's horrible. You're it? really going to put that on me. Well, well I mean, listen. It's got, either that or you're joining the quiz. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and cool. I know nothing about football. I really do. Could so, he's a good one. I'm really busy. At least they're off. But yeah. <laughs> um, listen, they've got momentum and that's that's important. So maybe they're in a really nice little position where they just start creeping and no one's looking at them. 
and the, no one's paying attention and they just creep in. And yeah. yeah, I mean, we've been here before a million times, haven't we? Forest for the playoffs and it's not quite happened, but th- it, let's see on the other side of Christmas, which is always important, January, February, if they're there or thereabouts, there's, there's abs- they'll have continued the form. There'll be absolutely no reason why they can't continue that. Yeah, we're firm believers in the whole thing that with kind of who they've got in place and, you know, Dane and all those kind of guys. Like, it feels like that I'd be surprised if it was 30th of January and they're scraping around going, do we need someone? Because I mm. think when Hewton was there, they knew there was things that needed and you couldn't just rely on that. So we're that's what we're telling ourselves anyway for Christmas. Okay, why not? You've got to have a dream, haven't you? You have a dream, mate. You know, if that first album might come out one day and Forest might make Europe again. So you never know. <laughs> Thank you so much for, I hope we didn't go on about Leon too much. We'll probably mention music where we've probably lost a load of people going, what's Cooper? What? Colin? Steve <laughs> yeah. Cooper? No, it's not with Steve Cooper. The Colin Temple Cooper Temple Claus, who? Colin Cooper Temple. Steve Cooper Temple. Oh, we- <laughs> Holly, we'll make sure we get the stickers to Paul. Um, Paul, you're more than welcome to leave us and let us just do this awful quiz without you. So you don't have to sort of uh, try and guess names of footballers. Um, Gosh, yeah. Have a very Merry Christmas and New Year to you. You, you and yours and uh, thank you so much for joining you us. too guys stay safe and thank you for having me on been a pleasure all the best thank mate. you thank you, you too thank cheers you. guys cheers. so that was very nice to see paul and and paul now escapes the wonderful quiz holly okay did you did you enjoy showing paul's sticker that's so weird <laughs> lisa do you enjoy that 90s music <laughs> i'm not saying that because i don't know what you like but i just know that me and holly have chatted music a lot and have similar things i thought i didn't check with lisa if she's all right getting mixed up in a load of 90s music <laughs> So, I could have thrown what you're talking about. I was going to start texting you, going, mention Gene, mention different <laughs> class by Pulp. Say you like Sorted Freeze and Whiz. You'll be cool as hell. Um, anyway, no, thank you for uh, Paul for joining. That was, yeah, I mean, really, really cool. What time is it? It's time to do the quiz. Lisa will hate it, but it is what it is. It's time for the quiz. How they gonna do with this quiz time? Q-U-I-Z quiz. Uh, so the quiz is really easy, really. I think I'm just gonna do two or three rounds. We're gonna name a, a footballer. So if it was me, for instance, Ryan Freebury, if I was a player, uh, the next player would have to begin with the F of my surname. So if it was any name, you could go Freddie Flintoff and then it'd be F again and what's the So we'll probably give the guys like five seconds to name one. They've gotta be Forest players. Um, I'm gonna start with Lisa and I'm gonna start off with who we just had. So Paul McGregor, can you give me a player beginning with M who played for Forest? Go Lisa. Mark Crossley. Go on, Holly. Christopher Cohen. Is it my go? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm not playing. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I Colin Cooper. That's where I'd have gone anyway. That was my answer. Oh, no, I can come. I'll come in. Chris Bart Williams. Go on, Holly. Um, a or a W? Yeah, good point, good point. Oh, it's a B, I guess. Go with a B. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-
Uh, hold on. Give me a, give me the the doom Old John. <laughs> now hold on. Eighteen ninety eight. <laughs> no. Okay. Holly? Point for each of you two. Um, you're starting with O, Holly. Off you go. Holly Burke. Well done. Lisa. Johnson. Who? Brennan Johnson. Jack Lester. Jack no. Lester. Uh, no. <laughs> you're gone. You're gone. What? Hang on. Jack Lester. I've it's lost an L. Um, Lewis McGugan. Marlon Howard. Harry Arter. Oh, no, snakey. Is he still on the books? <laughs> Well, he played for us, didn't he? We're going to name what? Not me. Current squad, are we? Marlon Howard, Andy Johnson, John Olev Helder. Mm. Back on the O. No. <laughs> oh. It's H. He was Helder on the back of his shirt. You've just changed the rules, mate. No, I haven't. Bart Williams was double-barreled as Bart Williams. I'm going on what was on the back of his shirt. So Hjelda was on the back of his shirt. I'm not buying time, so I'm not thinking. H. Um, honey. <laughs> Sorry, I'm out. Points to each of you. So starting with H, Holly, go for it. Henry Lansbury. Oh, motherfucker. Luke Chambers. Um... Christian Edwards. Ooh. Eugene Daddy. Ah, brilliant work. Johnson. Who? David Johnson. Have we had David Johnson? No, we had Brennan. Okay, then. Let's have... Let's have old Jack Colback. We have Colin Cooper. Yeah. Yeah, we have. So you instantly lose a point. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, yeah, go on. I'll let you off. But if we do repeat names from now, and I don't know what the points are, but let's just do two more rounds. I'm enjoying this one. It's a C. Uh, Carl Tyler. Ooh. I wish Bob that was mine. <laughs> Gary Parker. Oh no, we've had him already. Uh, Can you stop giving me James. Paul Smith. Paul Smith. Stuart Pierce. Peter with where that came from. Will Swan. Oh, that's so negligible, but it's right. Here go. On. Stevie Stone. Stanley Collymore. Oh, say again. <laughs> oh, I hate you, Stevie. <laughs> Jason um, first, mate. Yeah, true. Very true. Um, duh, 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 duh. There's got to be loads of Chris's. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Chris, oh, no. It's spelt with a K, isn't it, Chris Commons? Um, spelt with a J. Oh, sorry, that's Judas. Oh, Lisa. <laughs> He's not coming on the show, is he, Lisa? <laughs> Come on, let's be right. Right, Lisa, go on, you from a C. Clint Hill. Mm. You did that for me on an H. Uh, 
Alberto Pereira. Get in there! Yeah, I said it quick. Go on. Pierre Van Hoydonk. Right, so that is hard because his name is Van Hoydonk on the back, but it, I, it's almost like the Beatles. I, I think you could get away with an H there, Lisa. Would you agree, Holly? Yeah, go on. Alphabetically, I think you'd be under H because I think it's Van just gets ignored. Mm. Uh, H, Lisa. Mm. Bugger. Mm, it is a bit of a bugger, isn't it? Are they? I had to go for Hildeberto, whatever it was. I, I know. We've had Henry. We've had Henry. And Harry. And Harry. Mm. I'm just going to say erm a lot. Mm. Yeah. Um. Um. <laughs> I honestly can't think of any. Um, no. I was going to, um, Harry Hodge is what I was going to say, but then you'll probably tell me off. Well, I'd say it wasn't his name. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, I don't know anymore. If you could have done that, uh, we'll have more of this. We'll give it a name. We'll call it something like Tony Vaughan's head and we'll play it more often. I, I say, I'm just going to pick a winner. I think it was Holly. I think Holly won. Or just you, Lisa. <laughs> it wasn't me. I'm just trying to be. <laughs> I think it was probably Lisa, to be fair. All right, Lisa's won. I only missed the last question. <laughs> Right, okay. Anyway, so we're going to wrap it up now. So thank you for Paul for joining us so much. Uh, what have we learned today? We've learned that um, Lisa's made me feel really crap about calling Chris Commons Judas. Um, I know. I know. Uh, we've had uh, found out that Holly has been able to show Paul her sticker. Bring the family about that one. Finally. <laughs> uh, and yeah, if you'll see them all around his house in bus shelters, he knows Holly's approaching. <laughs> and we've known that forests are uh, going up. Oh, oh, sorry. And the big one as well. For any of you uh, got a problem with Ryan Yates, 17 and a half million, mate. See you next time. Bye-bye.